Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The U.S. officially backs a peace plan in Bosnia. The gun battle in Waco, Texas at the Branch Davidian Compound happens after an FBI attempts a raid. A truck bomb explodes in a parking garage at New York Trade Center, killing six and injuring over 1,000. This is February 1993, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And I guess Rob's bringing this classic album to us. You're listening to Automatic for the People by R.E.M. This was released in October 1992. It reached number two on the Billboard charts. In February of 1993, we had a slot on What the Riff, so I filled it because one of their singles, The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, actually was released in, in February of 1993. Rob, do you mind if I share something amusing, if you don't mind? Yeah, please do. The reason why I was delayed on coming in on our introductions was because I was in the process, I thought of downloading this album on my iPhone. Turns out I've already got it. I'm like, look at this, I already got this thing. So, <laughs> of course you, know, you already age, have it. Exactly. Old age is already taken over, guys, on my memory. Sorry. Oh, yeah. This was a uh, this is a great album. Of course, uh, you know, R.E.M., you think really a lot about the 80s when they came out. And yeah. fantastic. And Wayne's actually going to cover one of their albums from earlier. But this was in 1993, and it has a special place in my heart. Uh, a lot of things going on for me. Uh, starting a uh, an advertising agency, and I remember listening to this on 99X, Atlanta's alternative radio yes, station. Yes, sir. You're listening to Ignore Land. This was a song that was not actually released as a single, but it did make it on the charts. It's got a lot of energy, and Stipe is just throwing out crazy phrases in politics, mostly against Republicans, Ronald Reagan and George Bush. Imagine that. <laughs> You know, uh, Mike Mills said in a quote, Michael's rolling against Republican politics. The opening line is, these bastards stole all the power from the victims of the us versus them years, wrecking all things virtuous and true. I guess oh. I have a hard time figuring out where he stands in the political realm. <laughs> Why don't you just come out and say it? <laughs> I did something that was kind of funny. I, you know how uh, on, on Apple Music... You can click and it'll show you the lyrics as the song sing, almost like karaoke. Yep. What he's saying is just—it's just there's no—it's just like he's just railing and just throwing out all this stuff. Well, it's just like that—it's the end of the world as we know it. I mean, how does he get all those lyrics out clear uh, so quickly and cleanly? Yeah, I don't know how. That's he does. amazing how he does it. It really is. It's almost like he was just, they call it vomiting out the mouth. Yeah. You know, just, blah. Yeah. If that were me, I'd be stuttering all over the place and, sh- and uh, you just, ah, uh, no well, way. Well, you do have several takes you can do this. So. That's true. 
the personnel are Bill Berry on drums, Peter Buck on guitar, Bill Gates, I mean, Mike Mills. Bill Gates. On, there we uh, go. On bass. <laughs> he does look like <laughs> He looks like Bill Gates. And Michael Stipe on vocals. You know, they were four students at UGA right. when they started the band. They were all This uh, is why you were at UGA, right? Go yeah. Ahead. Well, I was. I, they started in 1980, and I got into UGA in about 85. Oh, okay. So they had already, yeah, they had already had several yeah. albums out by then. Yeah. And what was the, the name of the place, Rob, where the bands would go back in the day? And the 40 play? Watt Club. 40 Watt Club. Yeah. Heard them there. I saw them play at Legion Field. They were on all the uh, boom boxes on campus, and yeah. fraternity bands covered them all over the time. So you just, they were all over. I was, I was watching, uh, I don't know, the top bands of each state, and REM is considered the top band of Georgia. I mean, there's a lot of bands Even out there. Even after the B-52s. Oh, I mean, you got Armour Brothers. I mean, come on. Yeah, you, yeah. you got some groups in there, you know. James yeah. Brown. Yeah. James Brown. So, I mean, there, there's many out there, yeah. and they were considered the top one. Wow. Well, this, uh, this next one, we're going to take it down just a little bit, and this is called Try Not to Breathe. I like the REM sound coming through here. The guitars—they just kind of, they just kind of weave around. Oh, I love it's it. got a like, yeah. lot of a folksy feel to it. The other one was very energetic. Norland. This is a really cool story. This was about Michael Stipe's grandmother when she was passing away. Oh. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's kind of noble. It's like I want to do this my way. See, I will yeah. try not to breathe. This decision is mine. I've lived a full life. Mm. These are the eyes I want you to remember. I just love the melody. I like that little triplet beat, too. Yeah, isn't that cool? So you can hear what he's saying in this song, unlike the other one. <laughs> I, I like the more upbeat stuff, so I do like that. Of course, that harkens back to the early stuff. I mean, I kind of consider these albums in the 90s a lot more mellower. Yeah, uh, I, I guess. They, well, at this point, REM can do no wrong, mm. right? You know, they know they're going to put an album out and it's going to be a, a big hit. But this yeah. one, Automatic for the People, was just, you know, it was just a monster of an album. This is when Michael lost all his hair by then. You know, yep. he's, he's gone yeah. bald. He, he and I went to the same barber. He had a different look. <laughs> well, along those lines of the album, um, some of these tracks came out of some uh, sessions when they were mixing their previous album, Out of Time. And so they had kind of discovered some of these songs and this, this uh, music. They recorded this album in four places. Athens, Georgia, Woodstock, New York, Miami, uh, and Atlanta, and I'm sorry, Seattle and New Orleans. So Six more places. places. Six places. So they went all over to record different bits of this. Peter Buck... Uh, is largely credited with the reason this album sounds like this. There was a quote where he says, the album dealt with themes of loss and mourning inspired by that sense of turning 30. Oh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. When you turn 30, yeah. life is over, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, back then was it, I hope I die before I get old. Yeah. You know, the sad oh, part is, guys, uh, I guess when you have your one of your children turning 30, as Rob and I do, it's... Yeah, yeah, I'm old now. <laughs> when your kids turn well, I'm 30. double that age. So. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the title of this song has an interesting story. Peter Buck, there was an interview on Melody Maker, and he says, we're working on the demo. I had the mic for my guitar right up against my mouth. I was kind of huffing. 
So the engineer said, you're making too much noise. And I said, okay, take two. I'll try not to breathe. <laughs> I just meant I wouldn't breathe during the take, but Michael heard it and said, oh, that's a nice title. Somebody get me a pen and a napkin. <laughs> I mean, it's just not, it's, it's amazing what kind of inspiration they're drawn just from the yeah. most odd things. Isn't it? It really is. I, I just like I just like this. Well, the whole album, guys. I mean, there's not a bad song on this album. If you hear some descriptions of the music, how would you describe it? The music style. This is more folksy. Yeah, it's a little more alt rock. Yeah, feels like to me. Alternative rock. I've got some descriptions here from Wikipedia. So this guy was describing Bucks. Ringing, arpeggiated guitar style, Stipe's distinctive vocal quality, unique stage presence, obscure lyrics, Mills, melodic bass lines and backing vocals, and Barry's tight economical drumming style. I think economical those are pretty, drumming. Those are pretty good uh, descriptions there. I want to say when R.E.M. came out, this is when um, they actually started in that early 80s that with the, the, the sound called modern music. Yes, and so you know, our alternative, or they call it, uh, you know, the college, college music. Yeah, college music alternative. In in the early '90s, uh, Nirvana and some of these other alternative bands really pointed back to REM as the pioneer of alternative uh, music and a little bit of that grunge. I don't know. I've never considered REM to be grunge. I've never, considered them never, college never. rock. I've considered them alternative, but not. I'm grunge. saying the grunge. People felt yeah, like they I were can, inspired and I can by see that. that. Influences. You know, yeah. This oh, song sucks. is Monty got a raw deal. Listen can't to how be political. It, listen to how it picks up here. <laughs> yeah, you can perception. So you start off with that nice string feel, and then you get into a little bit of the percussion. So, do you know who Monty is? Uh, Monty Hall. Yeah, I was thinking Monty Hall too. I don't know. <laughs> Some people have said that. Some people have said that. This is Montgomery Cliff, who was in the Misfits oh. from Here to Eternity, A Place in the Sun. Yeah, he was. He, he got he, he got banned because they found out he was gay. I exactly. Think. Uh, he was gay before it was cool. And so, uh, you know, he had he had a lot of struggles. But in this song, Stipe's not writing not seeing lyrics about him uh, in trouble, but it's more about movies versus reality. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's well, talking about Well, it's so layered, deal. too, because, I mean, you've got Monty Hall of Let's Make a Deal. Yes. So Monty's, Monty got a raw deal. You would think that. Exactly. And then the the, the what you're talking about, the film versus real life, uh, there's there's a yeah. lot of different Listen to this. Depth now, now, here's a rhyme you can steal. Um, put, oh, it'll come out in a minute. Here's a rhyme that you can steal. Put this on your reel-to-reel. Mischief through a rotten deal. Monty's laying low. He's laying low. Hmm. So you can kind of get those movie references. Here you go. Nice. The uh, There's a website called Diffuser FM, and... Buck apparently started messing around with this Greek stringed instrument called a bazooki, B-O-U-Z-O-U-K-I. Hmm. So you can hear that sound in there. 
that he's playing. Yeah, R.E.M. was on the forefront of uh, doing a lot of things. I hear a mandolin back there. Yep. There was a lot of things that they, they decided to try to incorporate into their sound. Exactly. But how much longer, though, was it before you know, Michael Stipe came out, if you will? I think people kind of figured it. I don't know that there was a specific date where he did. But, but it was before this album came yes. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it was in the late '80s when people, to your point, started to say, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the courage to say it." Right. And, yeah. Um, well, this this next one here is very well known, but it's one of my favorites still. Mm. Great. Oh piano. yes, love this one. Yeah. Still a little mellow for me. It is mellow, but man, if you're thinking about it, you can hear the lyrics. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. He says, I love this line coming up in a minute. He's talking about driving and every street light shows a picture in reverse. Hmm. You know, if you're if you're looking at your reflection in the mirror, you're driving at night and you see your, your reflection, you know. Right here. Yeah. Very good poetry. Yeah, it really is. Mike Mills uh, said in an interview, I never thought it would amount to much because it was just a circular thing that kept going round and around, but it inspired Michael. So they said, okay. They recorded this in uh, Miami, and it was on the same piano used by Derek and the Dominoes on the recording of Layla. Hmm. How about that? That's interesting. Yeah, there was a, a, a Criteria Studios down there. There was a hotel called the Sinbad Hotel, mm-hmm. and that's actually what you see on the cover of Automatic for the People is the star in front of the Sinbad Hotel. Aye, aye. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And do you know, you remember what the cover looks like? It's kind of, it's black and white, and it yep. has the star, mm-hmm. and, it, yep. and it has Automatic for the, the yep. People on it. Yep. So has anybody been night swimming before? Yeah, what do you think that means? Uh to me, if you're in the south, it means uh, you guys getting kind of a little loaded and then you saw a, a lake or something and then you just dropped all your drawers and you went out in the water and just swam around at night. Little skimmy, skinny dipping. Yes. Yeah, uh, it could be about swimming. It could be skinny dipping. Uh, Michael Sipe actually had originally called it Night Watchman because there was this guy that he hired a security guard that would tell him all these creepy stories about watching the girls walk by and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so uh-huh. he decided to change it to Night Swimming. But you know what? Uh, as much as I like this song, and I know we're not featuring it today, but the next song is one that I really, I think is probably my favorite on the album. It's called The River. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I like yeah. that. And in an interview I saw with Dan Rather on Access TV, basically asked Michael Cyper, he said, if, they, if you were to select one of your songs for your funeral, which one would it be? Mm-hmm. And without hesitation, Stipe said, The River, because yeah. it's such a... It, I had the hardest time figuring out what four songs to cover oh, I can from imagine. the album. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great album. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a good one to listen to if you're kind of in not a rock and roll mood. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I want to mention, you know, the album name, Automatic for the People, came from a restaurant near the North Campus in Athens, Weaver D's, and he would say, automatic for the people. That was his phrase, kind of like, no soup for you, I guess. 
uh, and, and then Michael Stipe did take the picture for the cover because he was an artist. He did a lot of the artwork on the, in, he was involved in their videos and the artwork on their covers and everything. And I think we've talked about that before, that the owner was a little bit concerned because he didn't want yes, his brand right. to be, you know, tarnished or yeah, anything. That's right. That's right. Can't go wrong with an oboe. Well, you know, like I said, this was a really almost intimidating to do this album for me because it just means a lot to me what was going on in my life at the time. Mm. I love R.E.M. I, I hope Wayne covers the, an earlier one soon. And we can listen well, to it. We'll give it. We'll give it a few months. Yeah, some something more from the band. Well, thank you, Rob. This is uh, this is one of my all-time favorites. Well done. Glad you enjoyed it. I did too. Well, now we're moving on to our entertainment track brought to us by Wright Collin Financial, and this is off of a soundtrack. Speaking of circular, <laughs> it's polka time, guys. <laughs> and if you remember. In uh, 1983, in February. 93, there, 93. 93, I'm sorry. There was a movie called Groundhog Day. It was probably one of my favorite movies. I love that. And then actually, they've had a lot of takeoffs on that movie since then. But, you know, it was it was directed by Harold Ramis, which, which was uh, Animal very, House. Exactly. Uh, meatballs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. There's tons and tons of movies he was doing. But, uh... Bill Murray was the big actor in that with Chris Elliott and Andy McDowell. Yeah. And to me, it is so much fun to watch him wake up in the morning to I Got You, Babe, yeah. you know, <laughs> at, at, in the morning. I could watch that over and over again. Yeah, he learns the piano, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what did you guys think about the movie? I liked it. I really yeah, did. It, I think, well, it, you know, coming up in February, everybody's going to be watching it again because it always comes out on Groundhog Day. Yeah. I think Great even, premise. I guess they have 24 hours of Groundhog Day. I don't yeah. know. Just like Christmas Story. Yes. It was an interesting concept, wasn't it? it was just, yeah. 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 A couple of other movies that came out. Uh, National Lapoon had Loaded Weapon 1. <laughs> it was a parody film of, uh, of the Lethal Weapons. It had Emilio Estevez and Samuel Jackson in it. Along with uh, Kathy Arland, uh, I mean, well, we can't go wrong you know, there. Yeah, Tim Curry and William Shatner. Bill Shatner <laughs> was in this. There was a one movie that uh, Joe Schumacher came out with was Falling Down. You guys remember that yeah. one? Yeah. Michael Douglas was, uh, that was a weird movie. Got yeah. fired and then got tra- stuck in traffic, and the next thing you know, he's blowing people away and you know taking no shit from anybody. It was kind of like Office Space, except much darker. <laughs> yeah, you're right, yeah, Bruce. That's a good. That's a good one, man. There's a psychological thriller called The Vanishing with Jeff Bridges, Kiefer Sutherland, and Sandra Bullock. That was weird. And then Army of Darkness. I saw this. This is a really, really bad movie, but it is a cult movie. It's the Evil Dead franchise, and I don't know. It's with Ash Williams. Oh, all right. right. Well, everybody likes a little polka. Now we're going we're going into our staff picks, and Brian brings us this one, which I love. Yes. Toad the Wet Sprocket is the name of the group. This is from their 1991 album, Fear. But as we know, we're doing February of 93, so this is their third release off this album. Isn't it interesting how they can string some singles out yeah. like that? Yes, yeah. Now... Do we ever discuss how they got their name? I believe we did. Okay. It was a Monty Python Monty Python sketch. reference. Eric Idle skit called Rock News. 
and that's where they got their name from. So we won't cover that again. It, well, it is. An, I mean, I think it's worth it. It's a, it's a very interesting name. Yeah. Well, I just, I just recall when Eric Idle was, he, he didn't think anything of it later on, but when he heard on the radio that this is Toe the Wet Sprocket and whatever song they were playing at the time, he said he almost ran off the road. <laughs> hey, I, that, so actually it inspired me to create a title for myself in my agency. We had just started it, as I mentioned, around this time yeah. in February mm-hmm. of 93. So instead of, I, so I had, you know, Rob Marbury, uh, Creative Sprocket. That was, <laughs> that was my title. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, this song is called Walk on the Ocean. I love the melody. Everything and about this song is tight. It's, it's, uh, and as again, it's that triplet. It's yeah. that triplet feel that's just kind of gets you. Yeah. Now, is this this is their third single? Third but is their this is their biggest hit, isn't it? Uh, I don't probably. Believe, it's probably. It's got to be a big one. It, it was up there. But basically, one of the questions that there was asked, I was looking at song packs. It says, "Is this a metaphor for heaven, or is this about Jesus?" And so they talked to uh, the lead singer, Glenn Phillips, and basically he said, "Well, it's." We heard the, the, the melody, but he said, basically, I, I came up with the lyrics in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And he says, it has absolutely no meaning at all. Nothing. Just literally about walking on the He said he and his wife were at Orca Island off the Washington coast on vacation. Mm-hmm. And so he's looking out there, and these lyrics just came to him. It is amazing to when you talk to creative people. And I don't know, Rob, if you identify with this, but every once in a while it's like, the muse takes them. It's like something from completely oh, yeah. outside of their realm. And, oh, yeah. and it's just, you know, you've got to write this down very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Where's, I mean, my phone has so many recordings on it where I'm just something hits me and I just, I got to record this. Hang on. <laughs> but, but for years, though, people, and, and this is, you know, I saw this. Howard Stern had a celebration of something back in 2014, and Billy Joel was his guest. And Howard Stern asking, I remember that song you did back in 90-something, but it's Walk on the Ocean, Billy goes, Billy Joel says, that wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was Toad the Wet Sprocket, and it was an awesome song. Yes, it is. I'm glad you brought that one. Now we're going to Bruce Fricks, changing it up a little bit. We had a debate about the style of music here, didn't we? (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. Ah. So this little ditty hit number six on Billboard Hot 100. And it's from Atlanta's own Arrested Development. I remember this song very well. (laughs) So Arrested Development was formed by rapper and producer Todd Thomas, a.k.a. Speech, and turntablist Timothy Blamwell, a.k.a. Headliner. I'm sorry, Timothy Barnwell, but his, his name is Headliner. And this is from their debut album, Three years, five months, and two days in the life of. <laughs> life of the band or life of the making of this album? In the life of dot, dot, dot. Uh. <laughs> it was released in March. The album was released in March 1992. We were just talking about stringing things along. This was the third single from the album. And yeah, they can and, do no wrong. In oh, the, man. For, for, being an Atlanta band, you just are a group. You just you heard them all the time. Yeah, yeah but they were especially Death yeah, Records. They were big on hip hop. It was actually kind of groundbreaking though because this was out of southern hip hop, mm. and at the time, gangster rap was was big. But this oh. was much more mm-hmm. spiritual. It was much more significant, uh, kind of thoughtful. I mean, this song, Mr. Wendell, is about a homeless man, and. 
I just had to get some of yeah. the lyrics in. Yeah. You know, yeah. the idea of there's a lot of wisdom in this, but there's a lot of folks that are out there that are trying to figure out who they are, and you go to college and you're still confused. Yeah. But Mr. Wendell just continues in a non-materialistic lifestyle. We had a security guard at the at the mart when I worked there. His name was Wendell Dillon. Oh, was he Mr. Wendell? <laughs> he wasn't homeless. Interesting guy. Wendell That's one Dillon. thing in the South. Everybody, you know, you don't you don't mean mind being called by your first name, but a lot of times it's Mr. Yeah, whatever. Like exactly, Mr. Wayne, Mr. 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 Rob. Rob. Yeah, Mr. Brian. That's Mr. Just, Bruce. That's, that's courtesy that you were taught. That's actually what my business card said. Mr. Marbury. I yeah. didn't even have my name. <laughs> Creative Sprocket. I forgot about Creative Sprocket. I love that. Mr. Marbury. I'm 25. <laughs> so th- there is some sampling in this. If you're familiar with Sly and the Family Stone, mm-hmm. uh, Sing a Simple Song oh. is uh, sampled here. And there might be a little bit of chord structure from Steely Dan's Peg. Might be. It's not really sampled, but... Yeah. You get the feel, yeah. the same feel. I don't know the last time I've heard this song, but it's been a while for me. It is, yeah, we may do this album. It's a little bit outside of our, you know, outside of the rock genre. But <laughs> you know, interestingly, I don't. I, I was never big into rap, but I I owned this CD. Oh. This was one that I really liked. All right, top hits of February 1993. I will always love you. Whitney oh, Houston's thank you, Wayne. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. Whitney Houston's remake of Dolly Parton's hit. All right, I got a question. Who did it the best, Dolly, oh, Linda like, Ronstadt? I like Dolly. Or I got Whitney to go with Dolly? Yeah, but Whitney was fantastic. Have you ever heard Linda Ronstadt's version? I don't know that I have. Maybe I check need that to. one out. A whole new world by Peebo Bryson. Ordinary world, Duran Duran. Did we We've covered that. that. Yeah. yeah. I am every woman by Whitney Houston. Also, so she was she was red hot back in the early nineties, wasn't yeah. she? I think was it ninety three that she did the national anthem for the Super 91. Bowl? Probably ninety one. Ninety one. Thanks, Bruce. I wouldn't have picked this one or th- or thought about it, but I I did enjoy it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> now we're gonna roll over to a little uh-oh, bit harder uh-oh, rock. Oh, guys, this has to be Wayne. Guys, we're listening to Robert James Ritchie. Better known as Kid Rock. Kid Rock. This is the song, I Am the Bull God. It's off his second independent album off of Polyfuse, called Polyfuse Method. Um, It would be re-released off his major album that came out, uh, Devil Without a Cause, and come out several years later. So this is, you know, sort of the early version. This is the one that everybody was getting into. And... In truth, I initially was kind of turned off by Kid Rock at the time. Yeah. Because it was that weird blend of music that, that, like you said earlier with the rest of this sort of, this sort of like, okay, here's your rap stuff, you know, and then you had your sort of country mix in here, and then, you know, Southern Rock. I mean, there was a whole big mixed bag of stuff that he was doing. Kind of heavy metal, too. So what yeah. is he con- considered rock, or is he considered rap, or what, what was his? I don't know. I think now it's more rock because uh, he's really mellowed out now. Um, initially, he was just a hip hop DJ. Okay. So he started out as a DJ in in Detroit. And that's where he came yeah. from, and he's just he was he was doing rap battles with Eminem. I mean, this is so so hardcore he was in that. But he put rock in his name because yeah, he wanted exactly. to be more rock. It's exactly. Not, it's it's rock, but it's not really adult rock. 
That's true. I never really was a big fan of his. Uh, (laughs) Hearing about him, but I I never. It's it's grown on me. And that's the reason why I kind of. I, I, when I saw that this was an independent album that came out well before his, because this this is really outside our time frame we usually do, but this is how early on this stuff was on. You got to remember, like you said, gangster rap was going on at this time. Eminem would come up. You had a lot of you know different rap echelons that are happening, and this was that one little part that you know sort of matched some of some of the groups that before him had done. I mean, if you remember. You know, there, there was plenty of stuff that kind of led up to that, but this is yeah. this was a, a different, different, uh, I guess, conception of, of what yeah. rap was going to be. Yeah, it feels very, it feels kind of red hot chili peppers to me. I was thinking uh, that. Well, the Kravitz have come to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. There's another band. I don't think it's Soundgarden, but there was another band that Wayne featured that this makes me think of. But. I, I know who you're thinking about, yeah. and I can't think of it either right <laughs> off the hand. But um, the thing is, Kid Rock, I mean, he's, he's doing light shows, dancers, uh, um, the pyrotechnics. He even has a big backdrop, Kid Rock and big lights coming on. And I was going, okay, I wonder where you got that from. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about Kiss. Yeah. And did you know that he was an ordained minister? I did really? hear that sometime. I'd forgotten about that. He says he's he's married people across all over the United States, so that's that's pretty interesting. So I don't hmm. know if you do you if think you have a, a route to meet him. You know, it might be a, a thought about trying to get him to do your wedding. Do you think that he was ordained before he made it big, or do you think he made it big and then got ordained? It's pretty yeah. easy to get ordained by like the Universalist Church. Right. Right. Yeah, you can go online and get an application for that. Well, this song has been called a, a cross between Alice in Chains and Public Enemy. Alice in Chains, that's what I yeah. was thinking about. Oh, okay. Feels a little like Beck, too, with that yeah. that chorus coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm a why loser. don't you kill me? Yeah. 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 I don't know. They, they've called him, uh, some people have called him a trailer park pimp daddy persona. <laughs> oh, man. Some people call him Maurice. And this is uh, the gangster I love. The album is called a redneck dick kicking rock and roll rap album. So you know, well, there I, you go. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> sort of had, I mean, Beastie Boys sound a little bit. Yeah, you know? bit, yeah I can hear that. Yeah, definitely. There's more stuff on on Kid Rock we can talk about, but I mean, I we'll leave it at this. Maybe do an album. We can, we can well. You know, if we're gonna go in the late '90s, early 2000s, I mean, but yeah. he's still putting albums out. I mean, he's, he's living up in uh, up in Nashville. I saw an interview with Dan Rather, another one of those, yeah. with him. Yeah, he, but he's gotten mellowed out quite a bit now, <laughs> being a grandfather and all. Yeah, that'll do it to you, won't it? Uh, I what love you got this for song. Rob? I all love right. this song, man. Well, I I to be totally honest, I didn't remember this. I was looking through to your point of hits during this time, Whitney Houston and all that. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> got to find something to cover that, you know, has a little bit of rock to it. This is Courage for Hugh McLennan by the Tragically Hip. And I just like the sound of it. I, I literally shuffle beat, doesn't it? Yeah, I literally looked through some of the hits that were on the charts in February of 93. And when I got to this one, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cover this because I just like the sound. 
they are uh, from Canada and were tremendously successful in Canada. Well, heck, you know, in Canada, every other song you have to play it has to be a Canadian That's song. Right. So and we've talked it's about easy, that. It's easy to become popular in Canada. This is their uh, third single from their album, Fully Completely. Fully Completely is the name of the album. So uh, it reached number 10 on their Canadian singles chart, and it was the single of the year at the 1994 Juno Awards. And this was the most played tragically hip song on rock radio stations in Canada. They, they had 13 studio albums, these guys. Wow. I've never heard of these guys. Yeah. Really? Tragically hip? Nope. Nine this of, is on my pl- one of those playlists, on my iPod playlist. I'll, is this song I'll listen. On there? Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have this. This is one of those ones. I think I probably found them by a compilation disc, like I, I've mentioned before, trying to find yeah. something. That, and I'd hit those. This is a triplet. This has got the triplet. We've got had three triplet sounding yeah. songs in there. I mean, it must this have been more a of thing. a shuffle, but it's a. It's it is ninety three. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well played, Rob. Well, well played. played. That could be. Could be. Yeah. Um, so they were often referred to simply as the hip, and they're they're from Kingston, Ontario. They they formed in nineteen eighty four. So they've been around for nine <laughs> years when this came out. You've got uh, Gord Downey singing, Paul Langlois on guitar, Rob this, Baker I think on guitar. Langlois. You think? Down, down where I'm from. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Canadian. It's the other end of the country. Oh, it's yeah. French, though. But it is. It's yeah. near French. Near the I'm French sorry, that's areas. We went down a rabbit hole, Rob. Go ahead, And please. Gordon Sinclair is their bassist, and Johnny Fay is the drummer. Listen, it's kind of building. Yeah, building back up. Yep. Courage. Once again, this is going back to the modern tracks, you know, alternative sound that was hitting at that time. Yeah, I mean, it definitely fits in with, you know, between R.E.M. and Toad the Wet Sprocket, and it's, it had definitely had that feel. So the name of the song is Courage? Yes, it's okay. Courage for Hugh McLennan, and uh, that's in brackets. And apparently that references the late author Hugh McLennan, and it's from... His 1959 novel, The Watch That Ends the Night. And so some of his uh, lines are used in the song's verse Oh, here. okay. So is this on your running playlist, Wayne? No, no, it's just not a playlist, but I mean, I, you know, I've got tons of songs yeah. on, on my phone. Yeah. And it just, it just, it's one of those ones I found, and I just, you know, it, it, it felt right. You know that's that's the thing. It's it's, it's yeah. still I rock like and it. roll. This feels right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's rock and roll. I yeah. mean that's the thing. You got the guitar back there, and for that time frame, you know you had a lot of the Rembrandts we talked about before. That's right. We had a lot of groups at that time that were were in that type of the type of mold. Uh-huh. You know, the Jayhawks. You know, you, we've got a lot of those guys. Yes. And and it just sort of fits in that mold of that. You know, 1990 to 1992, 93. Frame this does before. remind me of the Rembrandts that I covered not too long ago. Yeah. Mm. So had a had a similar feel to that. It was interesting. I've never heard them. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Well, so we we know our last track's either a laugh track or an instrumental, and so I wanted to try to find an instrumental. And guess what? They have a great instrumental on Automatic for the People. It's called New Orleans Instrumental, from where. Uh, Around where Brian yeah, is from. Yeah, not too far. Which not New Orleans far. instrumental is this, though? <laughs> yeah. This is uh, 
I think it's called New Orleans Instrumental One. Ah, it's the first, the number one New Orleans Instrumental. They, I, I read a quick note on this. They recorded this in a place that some people suspect is haunted. <laughs> Imagine that in New Orleans. Yeah, at two in the morning. And Peter Buck was messing around and came up with this sound. He said in a quote, I would never claim to say we captured any of New Orleans, but I really wanted to conspicuously try and get a late night horn feel, that muted trumpet thing. It kind of uh, sounds like that late night New Orleans feel. Yeah. It's a short song. Obviously, with the four of us living here in Georgia, and I'm sure many of us, have, if not all of us, have been to Savannah or to, to Charleston, you know, the old Southern yeah. heritage and the history. New Orleans is a lot like that. Yep. But it's more, I think, of an international city, too, because you have the Spanish area, you have French, the French, yeah. and things. So New Orleans is really an interesting city. However, I would not want to be there in the summer. Right. Well, <laughs> February of 93 in music, uh, Eric Clampton won six of the nine nominations in the rock category for the Grammy Awards. Mm-hmm. And some albums that came out, Fish, I don't know, I'm not a big fish uh-huh. head, so, uh, but that came out, Poison, Mick Jagger, 311, Paul McCartney, Dinosaur Jr., Leonard Skinner, Tupac. I would name that album, but uh, I would be kicked off the air. Radiohead, Brooks and Dunn. You talking about a group yeah. that was just all over the place then. Dolly Parton, we talked mm-hmm. about her a little while ago. Um, Goo Goo Dolls, another one of those groups that kind of mm-hmm. bridged that that alternative yeah. crap. And one of my um, favorite bands that is local, Driving and Crying, had Smoke. Oh, and yeah. I did a, a spotlight on that album. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff, February 1993. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Rift?